episode of HR and Payroll 2.0. I'm Pete Tiliakis, and as always, I'm joined by the legendary Julie Fernandez. Welcome, Julie. Thanks, Pete. Great to be here. We're yeah. in a funny sort of week, I know. It's quiet. The waning hours of the of the year, yes. 2023 is winding winding down. It's nice and quiet. I've been getting a lot caught up this week. What have you been up to? Oh, I wish I could say I, I had a lot of plans to get caught up and then, yeah. you know, like excel myself, but I do have I do have some family in town. And so I, I've actually been taking a break. And sometimes when you take a break, that's when you realize how much you've needed a little bit of time to refresh. Yeah. Yeah, it's good to decompress. Sometimes I feel like a, a hamster on a wheel, you know, like I got to keep it running. I got to keep it running. You know, it's got to keep going. But yeah, no, it's not healthy to to do that all the time. So it's good to good to wind it down. But yeah, look, I'm, I'm excited. This is this is a big episode for us, I feel. Our most popular episode last year was the where HR and payroll leaders should focus in 2023. So of course, we thought, why not run it back for 2024? And so thought we could do that today. There's a little bit of news we could hit on. And then yeah, we'll jump into our top five for this year. Yeah, game on. Well, why don't we dig in with the news so we can get to some of the fun stuff? Yeah, yeah. Well, despite the fact that it's year end and things are incredibly very, you know, incredibly quiet, I would say on the product front, on the acquisition front, there is a little bit of news. And one of those is our good friends over at Salt Labs, founder Jason Lee and his team have received a seed funding round, $8 million from Third Prime. And yeah, really giving them hopefully a boost to get to get their equity solution, fintech-based equity solution off the ground. So yeah, congratulations awesome. to team, yeah. team Salt Labs. Yeah, check out the episode we did with, with Jason from HR Tech uh, Conference. That was really exciting. And Julie, did you know, another thing I think, some cool milestones they reached, I saw 75,000 users are now on their platform. So that's really impressive. Wow. Very, very young platform. Yeah. yeah how, right? I mean, like, how uh, it's we're, also talking months, right? I mean, it's months young. Yeah, right. They just launched in the last few months, right? So it's it's very, very young. And they're already piloting their workplace loyalty earned asset program down in Puerto Rico. And one in seven workers, hourly workers are already using that. So really great to see and excited to see what they're going to do in uh, 2024. And I can't think of the last time I saw somebody kind of start and penetrate Puerto Rico as their first space. So <laughs> cool. Hey, why not? Right? Like they need HR and payroll too. They need equity. Let's let's do it. So I love that. It's it's exciting. But uh, yeah, you got some news too, right? I, yeah, you know something that caught my attention. Not entirely sure it's baked enough to know what to make of it, but I did see an announcement that Aon was fitting to buy NFP. And that is an impact in the benefit space, specifically the retirement space. And as is typical in all of these organizations, NFP, you know, owns other things, including alterity. And so just watch for that. I'm not entirely sure what we'll be making of that yet, but it's it's new news. And I didn't want the year to slip by without mentioning it, because I think that it will probably turn some heads when folks get back. Yeah. You know, thinking about our news, there's been a, there's been a several consolidations in that space, right? I, I remember you doing a couple, more than yeah, a couple, I yeah, guess. Yeah, we've had a few. And, and not only that, but there's been such a lot of activity as folks think not only about the retirement space, but financial wellness. And so how you kind of put all of those pieces together for benefits organizations that are thinking not only about your traditional health and welfare retirement, but also wellness both financial and, you know, other versions of wellness and rewards. It's just been super active lately. Yeah. I'm sure we'll yeah. see more of that. Well, yep. It's important stuff, right? Everyone's focused on their retirement benefits is still angsty here in America. And I know a lot of employers are trying to figure that out. You know, it's given me an idea. You know, I just did an, an episode with my boys in the Gen Z, you know, and kind of their first work experience. Yes. And I've had a number of folks already reach out to me and say, hey, you know, you should ask them a little bit about, 
you know, about their onboarding experiences and, and, you know, benefits and wellness and what they value and what they don't value. So I know that there are a lot of HR leaders out there that are curious to know a little bit more about, you know, what's in the heads of Gen Z. I don't know that my boys are exactly the representative Gen Z voices, but, but I'm going to be asking them in the next few days here just to see what they say. First off, great episode. Let me just say, I, I really enjoyed it. And I think that, yes, they would be a phenomenal study specimen that we could, <laughs> we could create our own little bit of research, our two-person research here. But no, I'd, I'd love to see you do a couple more of those myself. And selfishly, yes, I'm sure there are some vendors who would love, or even practitioners that would love to get into their brains and understand. So maybe we have to bring them back. Hey, and what parent does, doesn't love to experiment on their own <laughs> kids, right? Especially oh, as they yeah. get old enough to you know, know better. Oh, yeah. yeah, no, I, but it's cool, right? Because I think we take for granted some things. And and as parents, I feel like I'm I'm, I'm in touch. I, I get it. And, I'm, and then I realize like, oh, and I talk to my kids and I'm like, oh, I'm a little out of touch with what they're talking about. So I, I love to hear that. I think it's really, really cool. And I think that's, that's the workforce future. That's the workforce we're building for. And yeah, we need to understand how they feel about it because it's different. They're, they've grown up in a different world, right? That's for sure. That's for sure. And we all know we need to bridge those five generations of workforce, right? That are in the workplace today. So, I mean, anybody, yeah. anybody experimenting on their kids or somebody else in that yeah. generation that can share, great. Yeah. No children were harmed in the making of this podcast, that's right. we promise. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, very good. Very good. Well, look, the children are the future, right? Yeah. So, hey, how about our year in review? I think you had some cool yes. year in review stuff that I'm excited for you to share with folks. Yes. Yes. This is our full first full year as a podcast. So hooray, we, we made it. I think September was around the actual uh, anniversary date. So happy, happy anniversary, Julie. We've made it over a year. Um <laughs> And we, you know, we started off very interesting, right? If you recall, we started off at the Niamo EBB when we did our first live episode. Mm-hmm. And that was a learning process for everyone. Yeah. We found out that dual wireless mics uh, don't work well together at the same time. And we were thankfully able to utilize the, the audio and video from, from Niamo. But we learned a lot along the way. We've come overcome several challenges. We've got your mic tuned in, I think. Congratulations to that. We, yeah, thanks. <laughs> we amen. solved your mic problems. Oh, yeah. Yes, there we are. <laughs> But no, but it's been a great year. And I just want to say thank you to everyone who's helped make it possible, who's been a part of it, who shared, who's been on as a guest, who has liked, downloaded or, or whatever. We really appreciate you. Just some, some cool stats, Julie, to share that I saw on our Spotify wrapped. Spotify is our, our platform that we use for our podcast. Our audience grew by 394%. Our followers are up 619%. And we created 605% more minutes wow. in this year. So Congratulations to us and congratulations to everybody who helped us make it possible. Really, really, really appreciate it. And fun fact, Julie, we now have listeners in 33 countries and 50% of that is outside the U.S. So obviously, but about half of our total audience, I should say, is outside the U.S., the other half in the U.S. So not 50% of the countries, 50% of the listeners. That's awesome. And it's very close to, yeah. you know, when you start working with with whole organizations, at least 50%. I usually figure 60% or so are in the global category, even if that's just a couple of countries. So it's great to see that. And I I think a lot of times global payroll is part of the draw, right? There's just so much uh, stuff to be thinking about. Yeah, I love it. I'm I'm, I'm glad we have these leaders. And, uh, you know, I I spend a lot of time, you know, traveling and also having conversations with clients and and practitioners around the world. And it's interesting that, that we're all dealing with the same stuff, but we have different 
you know, challenges that, that come with it. And yeah, it's great to have them. So we're happy that you're here learning with us and let us know what you want to hear more of. Pete, you know, there's a stat that you didn't mention that I have to call out because you have been the driving force behind yes. this one. You know, when we first, when we first started this little rodeo, it was like, well, you know, let's figure out how we can push things out every three or four weeks or so. And as we got a little bit of, you know, wind under our wings, I think you were, you were quickly the impetus to go, you know what, let's ramp this up when, you know, once a month is just not enough time (laughs) to be putting something new out there. And so I'm just here to say, I'm thankful that you pushed us to get things out, you know, nearly weekly, maybe not all the time, but nearly weekly. It's worked out well. It feels good. I hope folks are enjoying it, but I refuse to think that in 2024, we're going to do anything daily. So I'm putting my foot down right now. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. I volunteered you for many things. I think I appreciate you being a good sport. Uh, yes, streams. We we streamed 507% more, I think is the one, the, the bit you were talking about I didn't mention. We had, we, we did a lot more, a lot more content. And so, yeah, I think we're, we're kind of hitting every other week now instead of every three yeah. weeks. And so I think that's a good pace. I, I'll try not to throttle it and, up too much. And I appreciate, certainly, I appreciate certainly, <laughs> I appreciate that we're staying you, true to our vision, right? We, we wanted good, to just good, good. chat and we wanted to be able to share things that we know. We know we have two very different perspectives based on where we focus in the market. And, and we just really wanted to be able to, you know, put some things out there in a way that isn't commercial, that, you know, is pretty raw and hopefully not too raw. <laughs> So we don't do a lot of editing, but, you know, and, and to help folks learn and grow together and we meet a lot of new people and get to know people better by virtue of having them on the show and getting to talk about some really cool stuff. So I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. You're right. That's, that's a great way to summarize it. And I, you know, selfishly for me, for me, I I just like learning. So if nothing else, this is, this has been self-serving learning sessions for me, but I'm happy we do it. It's just about sharing. And yeah, we don't want you to feel that you're, we're ever beating you over the head with a sales pitch ever. So try to be our authentic selves and we try to guard against that. So really happy to have you uh, joining us along the journey. Okay. Well, let me add one more fun fact here, Julia, that's going to segue us beautifully into our our topic this week, (laughs) is that last year, the where HR imperial leaders should focus in 2023 was actually our top episode, and it drove 22% of our new listeners to our our show. So with that said, I thought we had to, right? We had to bring back a 2024 version. So without further ado, here is our top five for where HR imperial leaders should focus in 2024. My first one this year is get used to, or if you're not already doing it, you need to begin doing workforce planning and skills development, of course, just sort of goes with that. What do I mean by workforce planning, right? That's analyzing, forecasting, and fundamentally preparing to navigate, if you will, or forecast what you're going to need from a talent perspective, a total talent mix, right? You're going to need some FTEs. You're going to need some freelancers. And we know freelance usage is going to go up. There's plenty of data on that. I think folks want, you know, more, they need more agile uh, workforces and they've got to get the skills from somewhere. They're not, they're not there. Right. And so I think in order to do all of that, right, you're going to have to have the right details and information. We've already done some, some work uh, talking about talent intelligence. I think that's going to become very important, but I think workforce planning is going to have to be something that you prioritize if your organization isn't already doing that. This is, you know, something that certainly that is rooted in skills, right? I, I was lucky to work for an executive earlier in my career who always talked about workforce alignment. And the way he defined that was having the right skills, the right people in the right place, doing the right things at the right times. 
And that is what I think the essence of workforce planning is, is knowing and having a lens into that. And I think you're going to have to develop a lot of the skills that you're needing in the future. And, and, and now yourself, you're going to have to really start investing in that much more than maybe in the past, in addition to trying to curate them from outside, because by all means, it looks like what the data says and what, what we're seeing is that there's not, those skills aren't out there. And I think you're going to probably have to do some skill building inside the organization. And that's where I think the workforce planning is going to be much, much more important if it's not, if it's not already being emphasized in the organization. Yeah, quite interesting. And I, I do think it's an, yeah. it, you have to make an effort, right, as a leader. I, I've had just even in the last couple yeah. of weeks here as we're finishing out the year, at least one conversation, two conversations with, with organizations that wanted to either look at a portion of the workforce. They were either looking at their contingent workforce or they were specifically looking at part-time or seasonal employees. And and they started there and the conversation organically grew into, you know, are you thinking about this from a workforce planning lens? I mean, you know, we can look just at contingent workforce and how many you use or how you use or how many places you source them, but where are using them, you know, compared to full-time hires or part-time employees? Yeah, what's the strategy? Yeah, what's the strategy there? Yeah. Is a bigger conversation and and ideally it, you would have a strategy in place and, and at least know what that is or have some direction as you're looking at those very important areas, right? And and I, it's just, yeah. it's bigger than a bread box. So a lot of times it's not- oh, it is conversation to start. Yeah. And look, soft skills are going to be big too, right? We saw a lot of that in the WEC jobs mm-hmm. report. So, you know, you're going to have to, I think, <laughs> I think you're going to have to develop some of that. I don't know that the high schools are doing a great job of teaching some of that yep. and the colleges maybe even not doing some of that either. So I think you're going to need to reskill. And, and I think that you've already seen that a lot in the, in the way the marketplace is creating plenty of solutions. The HCMs are getting more powerful here. And yeah, talent, intelligence, workforce planning, all of this is going to be really, really key to seeing that total picture and that and enabling that strategy. Yeah, I think I think you're right in saying it's not being developed, right? It's not being developed in in the yeah. in the schools. And not only that, but early on in HR, we saw folks, you know, really focus on taxonomies and creating the skills taxonomy until maybe the realization came about that there's different lenses through which you look at skills. And so that's not, you know, maybe necessarily the easiest way to start either, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And look, you know, maybe, maybe I, I suppose a retread from last year, but, you know, I think, you know, what we had on our list last year about re-recruiting your, your employees and your talent, right? Go back to that honeymoon phase and, and make sure that everybody's happy. Now's a good time for that, right? It, there's never a, a bad time to be re-recruiting your existing talent and clients. So don't forget that one too, that goes in there. Yeah, great call out. There was more on that last year, but it certainly applies and it fits right in. Never. Oh, excellent. Never hurts. Yeah. yeah excellent. <laughs> All right. So what do you got? What else you well, got? What I'm going to call out as our number two, I'm going to call out maybe the flip side of the workforce planning engine. That is more the workforce management area where folks are, you know, looking at tools and looking at processes for, you know, tracking time, doing scheduling and everything that has to do with the workforce executing and their jobs and and ties right to payroll. And the reason that I'm choosing that one, Pete, is maybe not because in organizations, leaders are dying to, you know, strike out in this space and, you know, like make things better. It's one of the most hairy, complex areas you can get. It's fraught with rules, locations, you know, do things differently. It's probably one of the most unharmonized spaces you could possibly dive into, right? But, but I think that there are yeah. forces in the marketplace that are 
going to push organizations to seriously take a look at workforce management and time tracking and, and absence and everything that they're doing in this space. You know, without getting into a whole lot of details, you know, basically every one of the large players in this space, you know, and we know the biggest, right? There's the UKGs and the ADPs and the SAPs and the workforce softwares. I mean, there's some really big players in this space, and many of them have uh, been investing for quite some time into new tools and new products or upgrades and adding features and, and really trying to figure out how to address this part of of operations better. And, and so I think that it's actually the developments, the innovation and the growth coming from the provider tools and markets that is going to lead an awful lot of HR leaders to dive into the space, even though it's messy. Yeah. Yeah. And look, I mean, we, we, we learned from the Sapient report, right? That, you know, along with payroll, time is one of those key one key solutions organizations expect to flip, right? They're, it's not It's not getting it done either. They've put off maybe transforming or, or whatever they have is, is on, is on, uh, unfitting. So that's right. Th- there's a lot of opportunity here and a lot of great data and information that comes out of that, out of that world that if you don't have that, it's hard to, it's hard to manage a, a, a dynamic workforce, right. And a, especially one that needs heavy scheduling and hourly workers and CBAs and all of this, right. So yeah, key stuff. And, and, and for many of that, that creates a heavier lift in payroll than payroll actually does processing the payroll. So in fact, there's always been the chicken and the egg, you know, conversation, right? For folks that are trying yeah. to transform payroll, you know, inevitably at some point in time, you you stop and you say, well, should should I be doing something with time, you know, also? And Build when? Which do yeah. I do first? And and what? How am I going to have the most impact? And you know, the only thing I can say, you know, just after having numerous conversations like that throughout the last year or two, is you probably eventually want to get to both, but tackling them both at the same time is just a magnanimous change oh, with a lot of risk. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> so think about splitting them up, whatever you do. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. Build the gross and source to, or excuse me, build the gross and gross to net are not the same That's things right. and they're not equally painful <laughs> exactly. uh, in every organization. So you can transform the gross to net as fine, but you've got to make sure that build the gross is going to be right or else it's not going to be, the net's not going to be right. Right. So. So my next one, my third one is, I think we, you know, look, we've, we're, there's a lot of folks out there doing off on payroll transformation initiatives, but I think we've also got to include in that a step back and say, what about the pay experience, right? The total pay experience. And that's more than, like we just said, gross to net, right? There's, there's other pieces and parts that go into that. I mean, look, we know there's pl- the, the financial wellness conundrum is well documented. We know that's a problem. It's affecting productivity. It's affecting a lot of things. Equity, right? We talked about Salt Labs. We've had an episode on equity where there's a big gap in that between the you know, C-suite and, and the frontline worker and pay transparency, right? The laws are getting more stiff there. So I think you got to be thinking about all of this in concert. You need to be looking at how the pay experience impacts the employee not just the payroll part of it, not just the pay part of it, but the totality, right? The transparency, the equity, the timing, the mode in which you're paying them. I think all of this has to be really focused on and, and look at it from a very highly personalized, you know, very transparent, very empathetic approach. And I think you're going to be able to create a really nice experience for people. But I think you got to look at it as the pay experience in totality. Yeah. So that would be mine. Yeah. And I'm just going to tack on to that one a little bit because when you start looking at pay experience and pay equity, first of all, on the experience side, that leads us to a lot of conversations and folks that are thinking about 
you know, sharing pay statements, compensation statements, total reward statements, portals that do that. And already there was an awful lot of traction in that space last year. And so I'd be surprised if we didn't see more of the same there. And as you, you know, the second thought or the second maybe aha that I've had uh, leaving 2023 and moving into 2024 has really focused a little bit on the equity lens, the pay equity lens. And, and in that lens, I've, I've, I've started to understand a little bit or to think a little bit about how that leads directly to the lenses of compensation and recruiting. And when you're thinking about equity and pay equity, you have this historical approach, which has been to look at surveys, salary surveys, and, and figure out like how, you know, where are my people or where should my job postings be relative to these surveys that are you subscribe to or companies access in order to understand what pay equity should look like. And, and maybe my aha is for this year has been there's as much to do in pay equity looking inwards at your own internal salary ranges and, and how bonus and merit and other types of compensation affect your internal pay ranges as there is looking at the candidate side of the house and what you're posting roles at. And, and maybe that's not always obvious. It's easy you know, to think about comparing payroll ranges to salaries. It's a little less easy to think about pay equity as, hey, am I posting for positions at higher rates than my employee, my current employees are being paid? And you know, mm, doesn't that create <laughs> some issues internally, yeah. right? With job satisfaction and retention. So I'm going to tack on to, to your pay experience item and just say, I, I think there's a few lenses there that I hope to see a lot more from. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Compensation is tricky. You know, good, good news is I think there's more help, right? We've seen some good solutions come out and certainly the, the benchmarking capabilities in the HCMs could, could be helpful. But yeah, I, I think this is a tricky area and certainly one that the, most organizations probably still are juggling because of a lot of these legal changes, right? And 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 what that's Pandora's box, as we might call it, opening up <laughs> internally with compensation. Awesome. So we will see. All right. What's, what's your fourth one? What okay, do you got here, Okay, for Julie? number four, and this is, I feel like I'm in the weeds looking into this coming year here, but yep. it's leave management. And, oh. and, and I say that for a number <laughs> of reasons. You know that we did the payroll survey that called out, you know, leave and absence is the number one pain point for payroll. X that of anything else on the list, including some pretty hairy stuff. And so, so thank you for helping me with a short leave survey. I think we'll be wrapping up and starting to get some learnings from just to try to figure out why is it that leave is just so sticky and so difficult and messes up payroll all the time. How can we sort that out? So that that's it. And I think, you know, what happens is there's so many moving parts, right? When it comes to lead management. And if you're HR transforming and you transform your core HR system, you know, have you thought about what's happening with the time for the eligibility? And there's just many moving parts. There's many moving players that the processes have to walk across in order to get things done efficiently. And then I think as you and I have discussed, there's also this element of culture in companies where maybe there isn't, you know, maybe the culture of a company doesn't necessarily place a value on encouraging return to works or keeping in touch with talent and hope call mm. them back into the organization, yeah. right? I mean, there's just many things that can go wrong. And, and I guess I'm hoping to figure out a little bit more about it. We're having loads and loads of conversations about that with HR organizations. 
Yeah, you know, I said yuck sort of in the beginning, I think, because <laughs> leaves just, it always, I always have like traumatic, you know, memories from leave management. But yeah, I'm not surprised it bubbled up the way it did. And, and I'm and I'm excited to see what, you know, what, what's going to change about that in the future, because I think there's a lot of opportunity around things like that, that we just sort of take for granted. The blocking and tackling, as I like Absolutely. to call it. So. so I'm looking for more, more, uh, a lot of more leave conversations and maybe finding some pretty cool ways to make that less, less painful in 2024. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully we'll fix it. Okay. You and I came to the table unanimously on one that of course needs to be on the list this year. So why don't you go ahead and take a swing? Yeah. There's no way we could make a top five where to focus in 2024 if we didn't talk about artificial intelligence, but I did put it last because I feel like it's, it's just sort of a, a given. Look, I think we all agree it's here. It's been here. It's here to stay. And and look, it's going to have a profound impact on on the profession, on the user experience. Hopefully, I'm really hopeful for it helping the frontline manager who largely is probably overwhelmed right now becoming an HR leader while they're trying to just be a leader of people and 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 continue to do you know the good work that they've been doing. But I think it's time that HR, you know, and payroll really lean in you know, and engage it, right? See how it can help you. It is going to augment. It's not meant to replace you. And, you know, I think that my caution would be understand what you're doing, right? Understand, don't just do AI, I guess is the way I would say it. Make sure that you're looking at it through the lens of incredibly high impact use cases, right? Those that can really move the needle for your team, move the needle for your organization on impact, but understand what those algorithms are doing, what that technology is using your data to do, and really get to understand how and what the compliance elements are of this, right? There's there's already been some legislation in New York. I know the EU parliament just put some things out that kind of reminds me of GDPR. Uh, I think it's called the AI Act. So look, trade carefully is what I would say. Cautious optimism, I guess, maybe is what you could, you could call it, is engage, lean in, learn, start to understand how it can impact you, and but tread carefully, right? Don't, don't, don't dive head first without understanding what you're doing, is what I would say with anything yeah, of this. Yeah, great so. point. Well, great point. And I think I'm really excited because, you know, I, we have on our list of upcoming folks to talk to a practitioner who has gotten a head start, a material head start in some of the HR AI initiatives. And I, the real reason I want to line uh, him up and have a conversation quickly is not, not only because I love the practitioner, the practitioner perspective, but also because the very first learnings he had as he dove into a lot of the AI initiatives and putting some meat on the bone there were all touch points to this, the cautionary words that you just shared, which is, you know, so yeah. much to deal with and, and quite certain that just like bots and RPA, you know, every organization will have to figure out where you, where you even go internally to begin to have those conversations and how you, who even owns these things, right? And what, what governance things have to be put in place. So I'm really excited to, to get that on our schedule and, and follow up quickly with that. The other thing I thought I'd say is because, you know, my, my lens is mostly through the practitioner side of the house and the whole idea of an HR AI roadmap, it, it's already a thing. I mean, there are already HR uh, ops operations leaders and folks that are, that are coming to us and asking, you know, asking their HR leads to come up with a roadmap for HR AI and, and just nobody wants to be left behind. And so you know, like, where do you even start is what most of those conversations begin with. 
And so I'm really looking forward to developing and sharing a framework with folks about starting and, you know, where, what lenses you can look through, because not everything is going out and finding the next new bobble. All of your existing systems and technologies have roadmaps and are already embedding and putting AI into their products and into their offerings. And so, you know, many times the first conversation is, what are you using today? And, and you know, like what's, what's on the roadmap or what's even available to you? Are you using it or not using it? And so thinking about being very pragmatic about thinking and walking into HR AI is something that I think will be a big focus for me this year. Yeah, no, I think that's great advice. It seems obvious, but also kind of not right. Like, you know, I don't know that everyone, we talked about this about global payroll, right? Sometimes firms go off and start to do global payroll, if you will, with no strategy. So why wouldn't you have a strategy for this? I think that's a, and a roadmap. I think that's a, and get help, right? Get help. You don't have to do this alone. Yeah. And the conversation, the starting point of every conversation is naturally different. When you're talking to the vendors, it's about, yeah. Hey, look what I'm doing through AI, or look at this feature, or this capability, or how I'm applying the lens of AI. And when you start on the practitioner side, a lot of times the conversation begins with, you know, like where, who even owns this and what do I even need to think about to do this? And yeah. so it, it's one of those spaces where the conversation starts in a dramatically different place. Uh, if you're talking yeah. with providers or if they're presenting things there, they tend to focus on, you know, this is embedded and that's embedded and a practitioner is trying to figure out, is this even my domain to deal with what I'm supposed yeah. to do here? Yeah, no, I, th I think some of the vendors are going to have a little bit of responsibility here to help companies. And, and I've asked that, right? Like you can't just sort of hand this over to people and say, well, here, you know, try to understand what it's doing yeah. and good luck. Call us if you need us. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't think that's, I don't think that's going to get it, but, but here's one thing I think is refreshing. And I've learned this Julie from, from my other podcast, the source, right? Hosting that in, in many of my executive conversations, particularly in the enterprise, one of the things that I've noticed is is that the companies that are starting to do pretty cool things in HR or just anything in HR when it comes to AI, were actually doing things on the front end with their product or with their customers in a with AI and have brought those learnings over to HR and into mm -hmm. the back office. So that gives me a lot of hope that there is a foundation in the organization that is customer focused. It's going through a customer lens that should be good enough, hopefully for their employees, if not maximized for them too. So I, I think that's refreshing because I, I don't think that you know, hopefully organizations aren't standing still and waiting for this and starting an HR. Hopefully they're doing this in their product and in their client facing, you know, solutions as well, whatever their industry is. And I think those learnings can carry over into HR. So, so look for that, right. In your organization, you don't have to necessarily be storming off, figuring this That's out. Right. I actually, I'm going to say like, just think about it like Prego spaghetti sauce, right? Like it's in there. It's yeah. in there. <laughs> It's in there. Yeah. I watched the I watched a YouTube video, separate subject here, on store spaghetti sauces with these three chefs. One was actually Italian. And I'll just say, spoiler alert, Prego did not rank uh, high on that. Sorry, on that. Prego. And it did have everything in there, but they, they didn't care for, for all of it. It was a great video because if you've ever been sent to the store to buy spaghetti sauce, which actually my wife thankfully makes it all fresh, but if you've ever had to go by, you're like, which one? There's hundreds, right? So this is a very helpful. I have to find that video and share. I can't. Oh my God. We're, <laughs> but I we're love the so analogy. far I off love, track, I but analogy. I can't help but laugh because I know. I, I know. That's what we do. They That's what we do. An ex to the store once asking him to buy a bag of dirt and he came back bewildered. Like, what kind of dirt? Uh oh. <laughs> 
soil yes <laughs> that's another that's another you know, podcast now, now people uh, can know for sure we are really unedited <laughs> this is real this is all real so well look this has been great julie thank you for for giving me your input and we kind of you know shared our cards here on what we're thinking what we're looking at for 24 and i'm excited to, to learn from you julie as you're out there on the front lines how this all kind of lines up to what you're hearing so we'll, we'll stay sure. close to that throughout the four so look, what what's up? What do you got going on 2024 kicking off here? And what you know, you know where are you going to be? Well, Anything lots big? of client work here, but I, I do want to tell you, I mean, you know, because we've been working a little bit on this together. I, I've been pushing a little bit towards a mini survey format just because I work with so many practitioners and trying to get some insights, like I mentioned at the beginning in the leave, you know, leave pain points and get a practitioner, you know, view or lens to, to diagnose some of that. And the next one that will launch, I'll have results and, you know, we'll somehow mention them, share them, whatever. We'll get those out there to folks. But the next one that we're queuing up is definitely going to be on AI and HR. I know you know that. We've been talking about that a little bit. And and see if we can't start to, at least periodically throughout the year, get a couple of different sound bites out there in some of these deep dive pain areas where wants to know yeah. like what are my peers doing in this space or and it and it follows a little bit kind of your the thoughts that you have in kicking off your new survey and yeah. focusing yeah. on some new angle right in the survey that isn't just what do you use who are you using for it yeah uh, etc so. yeah no that's a that's a great point yeah for me I, one of the things i just put the finishing touches on is a new survey in partnership with the payroll org where we are going to be testing the practitioner sentiment around the world, right? And this is an incredibly, incredibly important survey. We're really trying to get into the mind of the payroll practitioner, understand their outlook, understand their challenges, understand what's helping them, what's not. And so look, I, I I'm really want everyone to take this. And so if you could please make sure that you look out for that, I'll absolutely be promoting it. Take it, share it, like it, get more people to share it, like it. I want to have every payroll uh, practitioner across the world, <laughs> right? Hopefully, and, and at least some from every continent weigh in on this because I, I believe this is something very important. And we are doing this every year. So this is not a one-time thing. It is going to run annually and we are going to unveil this results at, Congress, at the Payroll right? Congress in Nashville coming up in May. Hopefully, everyone will be there. Yeah. Julie, I know you're going to be there. We'll I'm going to be there. there. Sure. So join Absolutely. us for that. Yeah. So- well, look, this has been great. Julie, thank you so much for being my partner in crime in this for, for 2023. Well, more than a year. I guess we've been yeah. doing this since 20, what, yes. September 22. So over a year now and and cheers to 2024. I'm excited for Absolutely. us. Absolutely. And thanks to all of you who've been listening. I hope you enjoy it. We're always open to feedback and ideas. So please, we don't get as much of that as we'd like, but we imagine as we find our voice, you'll find yours and you aren't shy. So tell us what what more or what else you want us to be talking about. Yeah, likewise. Absolutely appreciate everyone and happy, happy new, new year. year. Take care.